Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered in multiple ways. All right, today's a big old Monday, folks. Week 13 in the NFL. Yesterday, the ones, the fours, the late game. Man, oh man, got to break down all those games from uh, yesterday. And it was kind of our redemption week. We called a lot of teams out for being frauds week 12. And we set some bars this week to see if those fraud teams that we labeled could be not fraudulent. And be like, alright, it was a bad game last week. So we had some uh, teams step up and be no longer frauds. But there are some teams that are still frauds, folks. So we'll break down all those games from yesterday. And uh, we'll do our NBA Daily 10 today as well. And then we've got the Monday night football game on tonight. Patriots at the Bills. And this game determines if we go 4-2 and two in our official six picks for the week or split it 3-3. Three and three. It's all coming down to this one. Winning week or tie-breaking week. Come on, Patriots plus three do bring us home. So we'll talk all that through. But uh, let's put 10 minutes on the clock here. Next 10 minutes, un- uninterrupted uninterrupted basketball talk of what happened yesterday in the NBA and the clock starts now. Alrighty, only four games on in the NBA last night. So let's start here with the first one up. Jazz at the Cavs and man oh man Cavs are being so competitive and we love it folks. They lose but lose by one and they lost close to a very very good Jazz team. Jazz get the win 109-108 over the Cavs and the Cavs had the last chance to win this game multiple opportunities but with seven seconds left we get Darius Garland trying to three unfortunately does not go but we get Jared Allen crashing the boards tips it back up keeps it in play and then we have Evan Mobley a really solid chance at another put back up here gets his hand on it but just shorts it in the corner of the rim and it's unfortunately no good the three the two other two point layup tip in attempts also no good but we are loving that this Cavs team is good. They are competitive in every single game. Good teams, competitive. Bad games, bad teams, competitive. And overall, what do we got their record at? 13 and 11, winning record. We are all here for it. Unfortunately, they do come up a tad small yesterday. But let's start here with the Jazz since they got the win. Only rocking with eight people this entire game played their normal five and then only three players coming off the bench here But Mike Connolly 11 points four steals six assists very well done Donovan Mitchell led the team in scoring 35 points six assists and he shot really well 57% on 21 shots from the field and also four of eight from the three Rudy Gobert was eating down low six points 20 rebounds five blocks holy moly then we had Royce O'Neal 12.6 rebounds and and Bohan Bogdanovich, 16 points, 4 of 9 from 3. We will take it. And then off the bench, they had Joe Ingles play, 7 minute, or seven points, 3 assists. Rudy Gay, 15 points, 8 rebounds. What a night. And then Jordan Clarkson, only 7 points. He still took all of the shots, but only shot 21%, 1 of 8 from the 3. Yikes. But uh, it was just enough to get the win. 
And then for this Cavs team, we had Darius Garland, 31 points, 4 steals, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, shooting 5 of 8 from 3, 57% from the field. Unfortunately, missed that kind of game-winning 3. We have Isaac Okuru still uh, filling in at the 2, 6 points, 2 steals, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, didn't shoot well, 2 of 7 from the 3. Jared Allen, 17 points, 10 rebounds. We had Evan Mobley, 14 points, 12 rebounds. And then Laurie Markkanen still at the 3 here, 9 points and 5 rebounds. Off the bench, we had some nice contribution from Ricky Rubio, 15 points, and C.D. Osmond, 11 points, 4 assists, and four, 5 rebounds coming off the bench here. Kevin Love also played off the bench, not the greatest night, 3 points, 2 rebounds. He shot 1 of 6 from the uh, from the field. So, Cavs being competitive, this is a real team, folks, and whenever you get points with the Cavs, it's always kind of looking like a really smart, appetizing bet. So, Cavs lose, but they were competitive still. Got to give them credit. Jazz win, 109-108. All right, then we get the Hornets at the Hawks, and the Hornets come up big time with the win here. Missing uh, most of their players here, no LaMelo Ball. Um, and so we have Ish Smith playing the one, Kelly Oubre Jr. playing the two, and then we have Nick Richards at the five. Only played seven minutes, though. Uh, but Kelly Oubre Jr. back in the starting lineup. What does he do with it? He goes mammoth, 28 points, 6 of 10 from the three. Yes, sir. Uh, it's not consistent, so we still don't want Kelly Oubre Jr. in the starting lineup here. But it's great that, you know, when LaMelo's, when LaMelo's out and all their other guards are out, we can count on Kelly Oubre Jr. to step it up when he comes from the bench to the starting lineup. So, well done to Kelly Oubre Jr. last night. We had Miles Bridges led the team in scoring 32 points, three steals, four assists, four rebounds. Gordon Hayward, 18 points, five rebounds. And then Ish Smith playing the one, 18 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Very well done. And they got great contribution from their bench, so they were already shorthanded and their bench steps up big time. P.J. Washington 13 points, 11 rebounds, a plus 17 in 37 minutes. Yes, sir. And then Cody Martin also off the bench playing 32 big old minutes. 19 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds, a plus 22 on the floor. Give them credit. Hornets come away with the win. And then for this Hawks team, a truly unfortunate loss here. Trey Young, 25 points. He had 15 assists, shot 4 of 10 from the 3. Kevin Herter, 28 points. We had John Collins, 31 points, 12 rebounds. Clint Capella, 8 points, 14 rebounds. And Timothy Luawe Cabaret at the 3, 12 points, 4 rebounds. And they had Danilo Gallinari with 17 points off the bench and still come up a tad shy of beating this Hornets team at home so Hornets get the big old win here 130 to 127 Hawks man ooh, a little bit of a bump in the road hopefully it's nothing too bad and uh, they can get back on track next game Hawks lose 130 to 127 all right, next game up here, Wizards at the Raptors. And this Wizards team, another loss here. What do we got here uh, for their last 10? I feel like they've just been floundering after floundering after floundering. They're still the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, four and six in their last 10 on a two-game losing streak. Sheesh. Uh, but well done for the Raptors getting the win here. We want to see this Raptors team start to get better and start to kind of be more consistent. So we went from the Wizards being consistent and the Raptors not being consistent to the Raptors being consistent and the Wizards not being consistent, doing a true 
complete flip out here. Uh, but the Raptors get the win here, 102-90. Let's start here with the Raptors since they got the win. Fred Van Vliet, only 10 points. He shot 33%, still got the win, only 4 assists. Gary Trent Jr., only 6 points, shot 25%, was still able to get the win. Pascal Siakam put the team on his back, 31 big old points, uh, 6 rebounds. Precious at the 5, 10 points, 14 rebounds. And then Scotty Barnes filling in 11 points and 6 rebounds. Off the bench, they got Chris Boucher, 14 points, 6 rebounds, really well done a plus 12 on the floor and that was really it so overall really poor shooting nights from both teams out here Wizards only putting up 90 points that's really not their game Kyle Kuzma 9 points on 36% shooting 1 of 5 from the 3 he had 7 rebounds we'll give him credit for that Bradley Beal 14 points he had 7 assists we'll give him credit for the assists but 33% shooting once again no bueno Spencer Dinwiddie 9 points on 27% shooting Jeez Louise and then KCP uh, led the team in scoring Finally got it done for his team. 26 points on 88% shooting. Just missed one shot all night. He went 4 of 4 from the 3. 6 of 6 from the free throw line. Very well done to KCP trying to, you know, will his team to a win here. We also had off the bench Montrez Harrell. Only 6 points, but he had 14 rebounds. And uh, we didn't get anything great from Denny Avidege. Davis Berton shot 1 of 7. So just overall, both these teams lackluster scoring. But the Raptors were able to kind of uh, scrape together gather 102 points and get the win over the Wizards. All right, and then the last game um, of the night, Pelicans at the Rockets. In the Rockets, is this right? A six-game winning streak for them? What? The Rockets? The Rockets are on a six-game winning streak trying to turn around their season. They're now 7-16 and 16 now because of their six-game winning streak. Yes, they were 1-16 before their run. So let's start uh, with them. Daniel Tice in the starting lineup and... And gets the win. What is going on? Well, that's why. Because he only played 16 minutes. Everybody else in the starting lineup played 31 plus minutes. So get Daniel Tice out of the game as early as possible. And you have a chance to win. Daniel Tice in the 16 minutes. 12 points, 3 rebounds, and a 0 on the floor. He's nothing good. You don't miss him if he's out on the floor. You don't care if he's on the floor. Uh, because 0 point production. We got Eric Gordon, 23 points, 5 assists. Garrison Matthews, 13 points, 7 rebounds. Christian Wood back at the 4, 23 points, 8 rebounds. And then Deshaun Tate, 11 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Off the bench, they got some nice production from Kenyon Martin Jr., 9 points, 6 rebounds. We had Alperin Sangoon, 10 points, 4 rebounds. And then we also had DJ Augensee, 9 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds to get it done off the bench. And then for this Pelicans team, Brad Brandon Ingram, 40 piece, 40 points on 3 of 10 from 3, but 53% on 28 shots from the field, 40 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, still not enough. Jonas Valanciunas, 17 points, 10 rebounds. Still not enough. Off the bench, we had Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 10 points. And then Willie Hernandez-Gomez, po 10 points, 14 rebounds in only 15 minutes. Unfortunately, come up a little bit small here. So, well done to the Rockets getting the win. Is this the turnaround for the Rockets? We'll see. I don't know how lo uh, much longer they can keep this win streak up for, but we're here for it as long as it's happening. So, Rockets get the win, 118-108. 
All right, now let's quickly, very quickly here, see if there's any great value tonight in the NBA. We still got 17 seconds in our daily 10, so let's keep it up here. Here we go. Thunder at the Pistons. Thunder plus four and a half. Pistons minus four and a half. We'll stay away from this game. Two bad teams. We've got no interest in it. We've got Wizards at the Pacers. Wizards plus six. Pacers minus six. Wizards on the back-to-back. -back. No, thank you. 76ers at the Hornets. 76ers minus six and a half here. That is our 10 for the NBA daily 10, but let's keep going here and see if there's any great value in tonight's action we get 76ers at the Hornets here 76ers minus six and a half Hornets plus six and a half not bad value we, we we've got this Hornets team on a back-to-back -back. that's nothing great uh so you know with the 76ers minus six looking good uh we get Tobias Harris a game time decision and then for the Hornets Mason Plumlee is still out Terry Rozier is still out LaMelo Ball is still out and Jalen McDaniels is still out all with COVID-19 so we're gonna take the 76ers minus six and a half Hornets had a great game last night uh, squeaked out a close win I don't see all their great offensive pieces being great again to put up 130 points shorthanded I doubt Kelly Oubre Jr. has back to back good games and we get the 76ers off of uh, some nice rest we'll swallow the six and a half there all right, then we get the Grizzlies at the Heat. Uh, Heat still missing um, ba -ba -ba Bam out of bio down low. I think Jimmy Butler is good to go now, but uh, no, uh, Jimmy Butler game time decision and Bam out of bio is still out. So we're going to be waiting until Bam out of bio is back before we start betting this Heat team. Yes, John Morant is still out for the Grizzlies team, which does make the Heat minus four appetizing, but we're going to stay away from that. All right, then we get the Nuggets at the Bulls. Nuggets plus three and a half. Bulls minus three and a half. All righty, this is seeming like great value as well on this Bulls side. Remember, we don't bet this Nuggets team anymore for the rest of the season or until um, Jamal Murray is back, which is going to take a while, and Michael Porter Jr. is out for basically the season. Um, so can't really do anything here with this Nuggets team. Definitely not taking them plus three and a half. And all that's out for the Bulls is Javante Green and Kobe White. So the secondary players, we can take this Bulls minus three and a half at home, not buying the Nuggets without all their pieces. Just Jokic is good, but it's not ready to beat the upper echelon in great teams consistently. All right, then we get the Cavs at the Bucks. Cavs plus six and a half. Bucks minus six and a half. And if the Cavs were not on the back-to-back, -back, we would take the Cavs plus six and a half here. I think that's great value, but we don't bet the back-to-backs. We get the Hawks and Timberwolves. Not taking the Hawks here. Not ready to take the Timberwolves. Hawks on the back-to-back. -back, that's why we're not taking them. We get Sun Spurs at the Suns here. Spurs plus seven and a half. Suns minus seven and a half here. Uh, Suns' winning streak was just kind of snapped, so we'll see how they respond to that. Not going to swallow seven and a half here. See if they're the real deal to overcome that one loss and get back on track for another 18-game winning streak. We get the Magic at the Warriors saying, hang on, hang on, hang on here. We might be able to get something good here, folks. Magic plus 16. Warriors minus 16. Is Cole Anthony playing? Cole Anthony is playing, folks. Ooh, I think he can keep it close. We get 16 points. Andre Iguodala is out, and that's all that's out for the Warriors here. So we're going to sprinkle a little bit on this Magic plus 16, folks. 
I don't think this Magic team wins, but Cole Anthony, that's a little disrespectful giving them 16 points. Cole Anthony does his damnedest to keep this team competitive, keep this team fighting. Man, oh man, I'm going to give credit to there. We'll take the 16. We're going to take 16 big old points here. We know the Warriors can score, but we get 16. I think we'll take it. And then the last game of the night, the Clippers at the Blazers. Clippers on this little skid right here. Hopefully they can clean it up. Not ready to buy the Blazers either, so we'll stay away from that. So we've got a nice little three-teamer here tonight. 76ers minus 6.5. Bulls minus 3.5 in the Magic. We're taking the plus 16 there, folks. Believing that Cole Anthony can keep the game close for that Magic. Alrighty, that is all the NBA that we needed to go over for today. So let's shift gears to the NFL and start breaking down all the games from the great action that is NFL Sunday. You don't do anything all day. You get the pregames at 12. You get the game starting at 1, and then it's game over from then, folks. Football for the rest of the night. Um, so here we go. Let's start breaking down the game. But before we get to any game here, we got to talk about this story quickly. It broke yesterday. Yesterday. What the heck? What the heck? The Panthers were on a bye in their the biggest news story of the day, even of all the teams playing. It's the Panthers making breaking news for what? For what? So here we go. Breaking news. Panthers fire offensive coordinator Joe Brady? What? That's the problem in Carolina? The offensive coordinator, not the subpar, lackluster, tier three quarterbacks that you've gone with over the last three years? bringing in Teddy Bridgewater who was a solid play got you a couple of wins and you know had some nice production with the receivers year one in a newly formed Carolina team post Ron Rivera post Cam Newton and you got some wins and got your footing underneath you to take it to this season but Matt Rule didn't want that and got rid of Teddy Bridgewater for Sam Darnold another unproven quarterback in this league that he felt so good on and so big on that he was ready to let Tim, Teddy Bridgewater go that got you solid production throughout the year Okay, so you bring in Sam Darnold. We didn't love the decision, but okay, we'll let Matt Rule do whatever Matt Rule wants to do. Brings in Sam Darnold. Got out to a three-game winning streak. Everybody was buying the Panthers and saying, see, Matt Rule is a genius. Matt, Matt Rule knows what he's talking about. Sam Darnold can actually play. And we all knew that was a fluke because their competition the first three games were really easy. That's why they lost like the next five, six games because the competition was actually good and the Panthers started to lose and then Sam Darnold gets knocked out unfortunate and then they sign Cam Newton who we all know can't throw the football and I'm sure Matt Rule knows that as well I hope Matt no Matt Rule knows that Cam Newton could not throw the football anymore uh, but he signs him anyway he loses like we all know he does and now they're looking at other solutions of why this Panthers team is floundering oh and Chris McCaffrey is hurt again but Matt Rule's big genius idea to fix this team is to fire the offensive coordinator? This is Matt Rule? Matt Rule is gives nobody any time. Didn't he even let Joe Brady finish the season even though that the quarterback went down in the, the running back the 
face of the franchise, Christian McCaffrey, went down. So you get rid of your offensive coordinator on the bye week midway through the season where Carolina still had a chance to make the playoffs because literally every team in the NFL, besides the Lions, unfortunately, or uh, yeah, I think besides the Lions now and uh, the Texans are all mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. This is what you do on the bye week? Late in the bye week? Ruining your bye week? You did it on the Sunday when the bye week kind of ends? Doesn't the bye week end that week? Because now it's Monday and you have to start looking forward to this week. So on your bye week, what did you do? You did you, you thought about firing Joe Brady and then you're like, yeah, we can do it. And then you waited till Sunday to do it. It's just like, I don't know what Matt Rule is doing out here. Matt Rule is not a good head coach every single time, one little small thing does not go Matt Rule's way. He's looking for okay, what can I do to fix it and it's got to be getting rid of somebody. Can you not just stay with it and stick with it? You see Dan Campbell sticking with it. Dan Campbell wasn't really firing anybody. He took play calling duties away from the offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn and got a win like three weeks later. But that wasn't the thing that was truly holding the team back. And I'm sure that Joe Brady is not the single-handed solution. That is why the, uh, the of why the Panthers' offense is so lackluster and being held back. So, Dan Campbell just got a win. Holding down, holding tight, sticking with it. But Matt Rule is like, oh, inconvenience for one week. Get rid of you. Get rid of you. Starting quarterback, offensive coordinator, I don't care. We're getting rid of everybody. And we're going to be bringing in Cam Newton. So you brought in Cam Newton to replace the quarterback. We all know that was a downgrade. I'm wondering who they're going to be bringing in here as offensive coordinator. Probably um, Jason Garrett. I'm sure Jason Garrett's the perfect guy for the job here, Matt Rule. So watch out for that for them to bring in Jason Garrett. And if that happens, I'm so sorry to all the Panthers fans. You must jump ship and say, hey, you need to get rid of Matt Rule right now. Or we are all as fans walking away from this team because Matt Rule is utterly single-handedly doing what Bill O'Brien did for the Texans and is actively destroying a franchise right in front of our eyes, folks. So that's what the Panthers were doing on their bye week. Getting rid of their offensive coordinator 13 weeks into the season. <laughs> All right, Matt Rule. Matt Rule is smarter than everybody, folks. We didn't buy him last season, but you know, we gave him the opportunity. We'd never loved the decision for them to get for him to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater and to bring in Sam Darnold. And now we know overall that was the wrong decision. Not because Teddy Bridgewater is playing great or anything like that, like Sam Darnold's playing bad or anything like that. It's just because now there's no consistency now two years in a row. You're going into year three kind of at another fresh slate of now we need a quarterback, now we need an offensive coordinator, now we kind of need another running back. Christian McCaffrey can't get healthy. So you're just putting yourself behind the curve even more and more and more. And now you're going to be having a contract extension. You know, contract talks come up at some point. And Matt Rule, his only kind of defense is going to be, well, you know, this is a new group now. So, you know, you have to give me a couple of years to kind of, you know, show that I can do it. No, 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 because you're getting rid of everything every single year, switching everything up majorly every single year. No continuity no consistency here in Carolina and it's all because of Matt Rule Matt Rule is not a good head coach Matt Rule is the worst head coach in the NFL right now folks I know we've done this uh once I forgot even when we updated this slide Urban Meyer is the worst head coach in the NFL right now we had to put this up 
Um, but uh, first it was Robert Sala. Then we turned it to Urban Meyer. And now it's Matt Rule. Matt Rule is the worst head coach in the NFL right now by a mile, folks. By a mile. Get rid of Matt Rule, or I don't know, everybody who's going to be gone besides Matt Rule. Matt Rule will get rid of everybody besides himself and be like, well, what's the problem? Why are we not winning games? Mm, Take a look in the mirror, my man. You are truly ruining the Panthers. And we'll see how quickly they fix it before it truly goes off the rails like this Texans team has. So, that's what they were doing on the bye week. Getting rid of their offensive coordinator. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Alrighty, now let's start getting into some of the games from yesterday, folks. First one up here, Giants at the Dolphins. And folks, we gave y'all till Sunday at 1 o'clock to buy Tua. Buy Tua, or we shut the door forever on all the Tua haters, Tua non-believers. And there is no now no longer any time to actively buy Tua. You're either with Tua or, or you are against Tua. Hopefully you made the right choice because Tua went out there and won the game and looked good again five straight games getting win after win after win after win and now everybody wants to talk about the stats now that two is playing good now everybody wants to talk about the overall offensive stats here by the Dolphins showing that once again it was everything besides Tua but nobody wanted to look at Tua and watch Tua and say that he was good for whatever reason so here we go quarterback pressures the offensive offensive rankings is ranked 31st they give up the most quarterback pressures offensive line rating is the worst in the league at 32nd the pocket time that Tua has to throw is the worst in the league 32nd but yet he's out here balling out and winning five games straight the rushing yards per game is 31st in the league rush yards per carry is 31st in the league receive drops is 32nd in the league all these receivers are dropping when they're healthy they're all dropping the balls but yet here's Tua actively getting it done balling out stunting out throwing touchdowns highest completion percentage all the yards and getting the wins folks getting the win so right now make your decision with Tua or against Tua because you can't have it both ways Tua's great if you want to you know, believe whatever the national media says and not do any of your own research or watching or anything like that. We'll let y'all do that. We let y'all do that. But over here, we're not doing that. Two is the real deal. And once again, he proved it last night. The ball is now in your court, folks. Either believe Tua or don't, but he is the real deal. That's all you need to know. So, Dolphins get the win over the Giants 20-9. Mike Glennon was not good. We've known this. We knew this was one of our picks. Dolphins minus 4.5, one of our locks. They win by 11. No real problem here. Dolphins get it done. So, uh, a little disappointed in the Dolphins that they didn't score on their first drive. This is something that we've been keeping track of. This Dolphins team on their first drive of the game usually results in two points and really kind of results into touchdowns. Uh, Their first drive, though, nine plays. They went nine plays, 29 yards. Unfortunately, they have to punt at their own 40-yard line. Uh, Then they couldn't do anything with an interception. They had to punt it. But then in the second quarter, the offense started to get going. A touchdown, a field goal, 10 points in the second quarter. Third quarter, once again, we just get concerned. This Dolphins offense still gets conservative whenever we have a lead. They play to not to try. They play 
to not lose the game instead of playing to win the game. And that I really don't like about the Dolphins. Uh, the defense has really stepped up here, which is fantastic. That's kind of why Brian Flores, defensive-minded head coach, defense is great. That's why he tries to actively not lose the game instead of going out there to win the game. So once again, we don't really love defensive-minded coaches at the head coaching position, but it's resulting in the wins here. And Brian Flores is a great mind, but the offense is truly lackluster to, compared to the defense because everything is focused around the defense. So in the third quarter, it's punt, 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 all by the Dolphins and the Giants. They scored a Giants scored a field goal on their first drive uh, after halftime. But other than that, it was all punting. But then finally in the fourth quarter, they get it going. Uh, the Dolphins do. They get a touchdown. They get in range for a field goal. They miss it. But then they get another field goal, and that's really the end of the game. So Dolphins get the win, twenty to nine. Tua was balling out when they let this man ball out. They threw the ball forty-one times with Tua, yes sir, the high confidence and believability to let this man sling the ball 41 times, that's what we're talking about, so we go 30 of 41, we got 73% completion percentage folks, that's absolutely fantastic, he's just coming off of back-to-back -back 80 plus and now he's at 70, I mean geez Louise folks, what a stretch of games, 244 yards, a little bit of dink and dunk, once again the offense was super conservative, it's always super conservative, they like the kind of quick hitters, once again, at the line numbers, there's not a lot of time to let plays develop, you know, 40 yards down the field. So back to dinking and dunking here with Tua. Uh, but he does take advantage when the plays call for it. He threw some great balls to Devontae Parker on the sideline that went for, you know, more than 10 yards. It looked good. So it's not all dink and dunk by Tua, but the majority of the offense has to be because the line cannot protect anything. Two, uh, 244 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no fumbles, a clean game here by the Dolphins. You absolutely love to see it. Getting better, getting more consistent, taking care of the ball. Um, you know, and that's something that we've seen by Tua, not taking care of the ball in one or two plays a game. He's finally cleaned it up, a flawless boneheaded free play by Tua from yesterday. Once again, big respect to Tua. In the rushing game, we had Miles Gaskin led the team in rushing, 15 rushes for 44 yards, and then Salvin Ahmed, 8 rushes for 23 yards. Truly unfortunate. No Philip Lindsay yesterday, a little banged up from the other game, so hopefully he's going to go next. Uh, we got a bye this week, so hopefully he gets right on the bye, and then after the bye, we can see a lot more Philip Lindsay. We missed you, Philip. We missed you, Philip Lindsay, yesterday. Damn you, but we'll let you recover. All right, and then who was Tua throwing to? Well, obviously, obviously throwing to Jalen Waddle, leading receiver, nine catches, 90 yards. Devontae Parker, finally healthy, five targets, five catches. Love to see that connection between Tua and Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is a very good uh, number one receiver that can go up and catch the 50-50 balls and win those matchups more consistently than not. Uh, so that now that he's finally healthy, Tua was giving him the ball, five targets, five receptions, 62 yards. Once again, not dinking and dunking when he's going to Devontae Parker, who is their down-the-field threat, and they went to him a couple of times in this game in big spots. So once again, this Dolphins offense getting better and better and better as the season progresses, and hopefully these offensive coordinators can finally realize, hey, we can go deep a little bit more once Devontae Parker's healthy uh, and, you know, with Tua you know, being good, being great. 
All right, then we had Mike Kosicki, seven catches, 46 yards. Albert Wilson, four catches, 26 yards. Hunter Long, one catch for eight yards, able to get it done. And then for the Giants, I mean, you got Mike Glennon. That man's not the answer. He's not going to be playing next week. Daniel Jones is not ready for next week either, and I believe they're going with a rookie quarterback. Oh, can I remember the name? What is the name? What is the name? What is the name? Blanking on the name of the of the uh, Giants quarterback that is going to be playing this week coming up. It's a rookie. Forgot the name. How unfortunate. Uh, but don't expect Mike Lennon, and that's the right decision. I don't even know why they started Mike Lennon this game. Um, I guess they're kind of still in the playoff hunt at four wins just because the NFC is a little lackluster towards the wild card, and everybody you know, is really kind of in the same place. You know, We've talked about that. Everybody in the AFC and NFC, I mean, really kind of two games uh, throughout each other. So, uh, Giants, I guess they were still trying to go for the win, but it seems like next week they're truly just going to be like, well, let's see what we got in this rookie. Um, and, you know, Daniel Jones, we'll see, you know, do we go with him next season and all that. So, the Giants have a lot of questions to figure out themselves this last end of the season and in the offseason between the general manager and the coach and the quarterback. I mean, they've really got nothing great. So, they're just kind of looking at every option. But uh, Mike Lennon definitely was not the option last night, obviously. Mike Lennon goes 23 of 44. We get 52% completion percentage. Absolutely not good. 187 yards on 23 completions. Not great. No touchdown. One interception. His one interception came on the second drive. And luckily for the Giants that the Dolphins were not able to do anything with it. Uh, so that was the one turnover kind of uh, free there. All right, in the running game, Saquon Barkley, 11 rushes for 55 yards. Devontae Booker, 6 rushes for 36 yards. Um, you know, 5 yards of carry for Saquon Barkley, 6 yards of carry for Devontae Booker, and they still let Mike Lennon throw the ball 44 times. It's not like they were down big. They were down 7 points going into halftime. They were down 4 points midway third quarter. They didn't really get down to the start of the fourth quarter, down 17-6, to six, but there, there's more time to run the ball in this game come on Giants come on Freddie Kitchens what is having Mike Glennon throw the ball 44 times doing for this team obviously nothing and still not relying on Saquon Barkley so once again there's just nothing good there's nothing good here about this Giants team to truly build upon for next year or to have any really kind of great um, kind of positivity on this Giants team heading into next season this is a really bad place to be an overall, I believe, for this Giants team. All right, who was Mike Lennon throwing to? Well, no surprise here. Backup quarterbacks, you know, relying on the running backs out of the backfield and the tight ends. And Evan Ingram was their leading receiver. Four catches for 61 yards. Kenny Galladay, three catches, 37 yards. Farrell Cooper, two catches, 21 yards. Saquon Barkley, six catches, nine targets. Highest targeted receiver that there was last night. Uh, six catches for 19 yards. Then Kyle Rudolph, two catches, 18 yards. Devontae Booker, four catches, 18 yards and Darius Slate and two catches for 13 yards and all that resulted into a whopping nine points for the Giants so Dolphins defense is great two was playing fantastic phenomenal earns all the respect and the Dolphins get the win 20 to 9 where there's a lot of question marks on this Giants team overall 
Alrighty, then the next game up here, Colts at the Texans. Another one of our picks from the weekend. Colts minus 9.5, and, and they win by 31. Bingo, bango, no problem here. Exactly what we thought this game would be is exactly what this game was. Domination start to finish by this Colts team and this Texans offense. They can't do anything with their lackluster pieces. And Tyrod Taylor is just unfortunately not the answer here in Houston. Now he's a little banged up. Um, he's going to officially not play next week. David Culley to, quote, evaluate everything after benching Tyrod Taylor for Davis Mills in the loss to the Colts. Now, uh, it is kind of known that uh, something in Tyrod Taylor's um, wrist is a little banged up, so he's potentially not going to be playing for this week coming up. Uh, so, yeah, might as well just go back to Davis Mills. Uh, you know, see what you've got building on going into next season. I don't think Tyrod Taylor has anything left in the quarterback tank for him. Maybe you give him one final chance to compete for a backup role or just to be in a quarterback competition next year. But I do think it's just unfortunate that Tyrod Taylor is done as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and it's just unfortunate. You know, this Texans team does not have any weapons. Once again, I mean, no quarterback is going to win without any weapons besides Tua. And we know Tua is the greatest quarterback of all time. So we digress. On, we digress on that. Uh, but uh, back to the Colts and the Texans. Colts get the win 31 to nothing. And we'll see what Tyrod Taylor can do in the offseason to get to a new team, but Texans, uh, they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Donzo there. So, yeah, just see what you can do with Davis Mills. See what if Davis Mills has learned anything ever since he's been benched for Tyrod Taylor and see what you do at the starting quarterback position heading into next season. So Colts got it done right off the rip. Uh, you know, touchdown on their first drive. Uh, then the Texans fumble, and then they get into field goal range for the Colts, and they miss a field goal. Couple drives later, Colts go up 14 nothing, and it's only 14 nothing in a halftime. Then it's 21 nothing, and that's 24 nothing, and then it's 31 nothing, and that is the game. So this Texans offense just cannot move the ball consistently all throughout this game, like we know Tyrod Taylor does. The turnovers, all that, way too many. Um, one interception by Tyrod Taylor on the first drive of the game, and then we had who was fumbling the ball here? We had Farrell Brown fumbling the ball there on the second drive for the Texans. So out to not a hot star all that, and the Colts take advantage. Uh, so the Colts, let's start with them since they got the win. Let's see. We gave the green light to the Colts to pass the ball more than they ran it here against the Texans because we know that the Texans defense gives up the big ball, and that's why the Colts won their first meeting was because of the big ball down the field. I think we traced it back to like four plays of why the Colts blew out the Texans in their first meeting. So let's see what they were doing here in the game plan. Uh, did they let Carson Wentz air it out? Were they letting this man throw it out, getting it all out of their system? So once they finally get into the playoffs, they run the ball 50 times a game and don't let Carson Wentz touch the ball more than twice. Let's see what they did here. So here we go. Carson Wentz goes 16 of 22 for 158 yards and a touchdown. So this is the game that they decided not to throw the ball. The game that you can throw the ball, they don't throw the ball. What are we doing here? I guess we have to give credit to Frank Reich for finally understanding we don't want or don't need Carson Wentz to throw the ball 40-plus times a game to win. So all of that was great. Um, but overall, this was a game to get all that throwing out of your system. So we shouldn't see any more 40 
passing attempt games by Carson Wentz ever again. We've proved that you can put up 31 points. You can control the game without throwing the ball. Frank Reich, please take what you learned in this game and use it appropriately for the rest of the season, or you will not be in the Super Bowl. The ball's in your the ball's in your court here. So Carson Wentz goes 16 of 22, solid production, 72%, 158 yards, one touchdown, no picks, uh, fumbling, no, he didn't fumble, but Jonathan Taylor fumbled once, not great. Uh, we'll get to that fumble in a second, but rushing yards. Well, they ran the ball 32 times with Jonathan Taylor. That's what we love. 32 rushes, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Yes, 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 yes. This is what we want, Frank Reich. This is what we need. This is what we love to see. Shoo, shoo. This is it. This is it. This is Derrick Henry-esque, and we love seeing it. But also, they got creative in the running game. Michael Pittman Jr., two rushes, 33 yards. Yes, sir. Nehem Hines, three rushes, 24 yards. Deion Jackson, six rushes, 19 yards, a touchdown. Zach Poshko, one rush for 12 yards. Carson Wentz taking off three times for eight yards. So this is what we want to see, getting everybody flashy involved, mixing up the offense, getting your weapons off the perimeter, and rushing the ball. This is what we want to see out of the Colts. Thank you, Frank Reich. Fra thank you, finally, for doing it. You didn't need to do it this game because it was only against the Texans, but I guess might as well um, kind of demo a new offense out here against a team that you've got no chance of truly losing against. So we'll see if this is a kind of one-and-done game. It shouldn't be, uh, but we'll see if Frank Reich continues to go with this uh, level of rushing production in the offense overall. We hope they do. Now, the Jonathan Taylor fumble, what happened here? We have a fumble in the fourth quarter when they're up 24 to nothing, and uh, fortunately for the Colts, the Texans could not do anything with it. They go four and out. We get pass and complete, pass and complete, a five-yard sack, sets up fourth and 15 for the Texans. They go for it because they have to in the fourth quarter, and they don't get anything out of it. So, Jonathan Taylor, a fumble in the fourth quarter. Come on, you're better than that. You don't need a fumble at the end of the game. Come on, you, you're better than fumbling at the end of the game even though you were blowing them out you still got to close out and finish a game Jonathan Taylor come on you're better than that <clears throat> All right, and then Carson Wentz, who was he throwing the ball to since everybody was rushing? We had Michael Pittman Jr. leading the team in receiving yards, six catches, 77 yards. Then Neham Hines, three catches, 32 yards. T.Y. Hilton, two catches, 22 yards. And Jack Doyle, one catch for 13 yards. All right, and then for this Texans team, how are they looking? Well, Tyrod Taylor gets to start 5 of 13. <laughs> Yikes, that's Cam Newton numbers, folks. That's not good. That's truly not good. 5 of 13 here. We get 38% completion percentage, 45 yards, and an interception. But then we get Davis Mills, and did he do any better? Mm, not really, but a tad, I guess. He goes 6 of 14, 42% completion percentage, 49 yards, four more passing yards than Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and he also did not throw a touchdown, but he also did not throw an interception. Uh, so once again, there's just nothing good on this Texans team. Um, running the ball, we have Rex Burkhead leading the rushes. Uh, eight rushes for 30 yards. They had Brandon Cooks run the ball once for 16 yards. Tyrod Taylor took off three times for 15 yards. Davis Mills took off twice for 11 yards. Royce Freeman ran the ball three times for 10 yards. And Jalen Samuels, two rushes for two yards. So once again, there's just nothing good here. Offensively, rushing, passing, quarterbacking, receivers. There is nothing good here on this Texans team. 
And then who were these two quarterbacks drawing to? We had Brandon Cooks, leading receiver, three catches, 38 yards. Farrell Brown, four catches, 23 yards. Rex Burke had one catch, 15 yards. And Royce Freeman, one catch for 11 yards. So Colts get the blowout win here, 31 to nothing. Expected, and it happened. Alrighty, next game up here, Vikings at the Lions and uh, the Vikings, folks, absolutely garbage. We certified them frauds last week, but this was our redemption week uh, because we saw a lot of fraudulent teams get exposed last week, and we gave them a chance this week. We set a bar for these teams that we labeled frauds last week to see if they can redeem themselves, and uh, the Vikings, unfortunately, they could not redeem themselves. The bar that we had on the Vikings was they needed a win well right off the rip they didn't get the win they lost to the Lions. Lions get their first win of the season against this vikings team so of course they're frauds but then we had another stipulation on their bar they needed the win and we needed to see zero turnovers well they fell short on that one too because we have kirk cousins fumbling the ball folks kirk cousins one fumble that was the only turnover so you needed a win and no turnovers and you got the lost in one fumble so truly frauds here by the vikings we will probably never bet them again this year uh, we will pay them no mind no attention they are a fraudulent team yes they are still in the consideration for the playoffs in the nfc just because everybody is so close but overall there is no believability in this vikings team because they are are frauds they were they got down big they got down bad here against this lions team they got down 20 to nothing heading into halftime 20 to nothing against the lions then they start to come back a little bit uh, third quarter was really great for this vikings team coming out of halftime a field goal a touchdown a touchdown they go down two points heading into the fourth quarter but, I mean, this Lions team literally handed this Vikings team the win on a silver platter. Heading into the fourth quarter, the Vikings are down 23-21. to And then what happens? The Lions throw an interception on the Vikings 38-yard line. They turn over the ball. And what do the Vikings do with it? They punt. They can't do anything with the interception. And then the Lions fumble the ball here. On fourth and one with four minutes left from their own 29-yard line, 28-yard line. First of all, they go for it up to on their own 29-yard line. It was like the Lions were actively lose, trying to lose this game, going for it on fourth and one. And then not only do they go for it on fourth and one, they have Jared Goff be the man to get it on fourth and one with the play action. We know Jared Goff is never clutch. We've seen this over and over and over and over and over and over again just this season alone with the Lions. The Lions have been in position after position after position after position to win these games, and they still lose because of Jared Goff. So they go for it in their own field. Less than five minutes left in only a two-point lead. They have Jared Goff try and win the game for them, but what does he do? He fumbles the ball right here. So the Vikings get it in even better field position. They get it at their own they, they get it at the Lions 20-yard line instead of getting it at the Lions 29-yard line. So really questionable decision making here by the Lions, but it wins them the game. The Vikings go down and score a touchdown. They missed the two-point conversion attempt and now they're only up four points and then the Lions with Jared Goff with only a minute and 50 seconds left. They go down 80 yards 
for the touchdown in the win on fourth and two. Jared Goff finally steps it up and delivers a great pass. But, I mean, this Vikings team, poor offensively in the first half, let the Lions have the big old lead. Then they get uh, get close the lead, close the gap of the lead in the third quarter, and then they flounder big time in the fourth quarter. Uh, two turnovers by the Lions. Vikings only take advantage of one of them, and then they let the Lions go and drive 80 yards with a minute and 50 seconds left to win the game and get their first win of the season. So officially, big old frauds here by the Vikings. They are trash. They are trash. They don't know how to win games. They don't know how to close out games. They don't know how to not turn the ball over, and they can't even stop Jared Goff. They this Vikings defense could not stop Jared Goff from going 80 yards in under two minutes. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. So let's start here with the Vikings, the disgraceful Vikings here. We get Kirk Cousins going 30 of 40. Once again, don't get bogged down by these stats, folks. These are all good stats. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins, if you touch the Vikings team, you turn into an enigma, folks. This is an enigma of a team. Everything is so good in the stats department, but they lose games like we know they do. So once again, don't get fooled by these stats. These are fake stats overall. Great stats that result into not wins. That is not anything good and anything that you should be weighing heavy in your overall analysis if teams are in, in, if teams and players are good or not. This is not a good team. Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. He's not. You don't win games. I put that on you. You've had multiple opportunities in this game and even in the fourth quarter an interception and a fumble you can't do anything with this interception come on you you start at your own 31 yard line I get it's not you know starting at midfield or in your opponent's territory but it's still momentum you were down at this point you were down off that interception with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter you were down two points and you couldn't will your team will yourself down into scoring territory to officially take the lead off of an interception by Jared Goff Come on. Come on, Vikings. So, Kirk Cousins, 75% completion percentage, fantastic. 340 yards, fantastic. Two touchdowns, fantastic. No interceptions, fantastic. But, like we said, he did have that fumble, the one turnover of the game. All right, no Delvin Cook, but we weren't worried. We like Alexander Madison, and he got it done. 22 rushes by Alexander Madison for 90 yards and a touchdown. We love it. Once again, everything's great, but they lose. The defense gives up the big play. The offense can't convert and make the opposing team pay for their mistakes. We hone in on that so much. That's why Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year, folks, and why Aaron Rodgers wasn't in the Super Bowl, because Tom Brady threw three interceptions in the green. Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers could not, could not take advantage of more than one turnover. Vikings do the same thing here. They lose the game. Unfortunate. Make your team, make your opponent pay for turning over the ball. Please, please, please. All right, who was Kirk Cousins throwing to? Well, Justin Jefferson truly getting it done. 11, 11 receptions for 182 yards and a touchdown. Holy moly. Then we have Tyler Conklin, seven catches for 56 yards. K.J. Osborne, four catches, 47 yards, a touchdown. Alexander Madison, three catches for 34 yards. C.J. Ham, one catch for 19 yards. And unfortunately, they still lose the game. All right, now for the Lions. What did Jared Goff do to win this game? Here we go. <clears throat> 
Jared Goff, 25 of 41, 60% completion percentage, nothing even really good there. He had 296 yards that we will definitely give him. 25 completions for 296 yards, fantastic. Three touchdowns, the interception almost cost him the game, but the Vikings couldn't cash in, so I guess we kind of, you know, overlooked that one interception by Jared Goff a little bit, tiny bit. All right, and then in the rushing game for the Lions, we had Jamal Jamal Williams, 17 rushes for 71 yards, and then Jamar Jefferson, 5 rushes for 18 yards. And then who was Jared Goff throwing to? We have Amara St. Brown, led the team in receiving yards, 10 catches for 86 yards and a touchdown, and that touchdown was the game winner. All right, we have Josh Reynolds, four catches for 69 yards. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, four catches, 49 yards, a touchdown. Khalif Raymond, two catches, 33 yards. Brock Wright, two catches, 28 yards, a touchdown. And Godwin Iguabuki, one catch for 13 yards. And the Lions get their first win. And then we get Dan Campbell video on the sideline. Everybody loves Dan Campbell showing emotion, crying at the podium uh, with one of their close losses, all of that. But now we finally get him joyous, jumping up and down on the sideline. And this is what I love about it. Um, as soon as they got the win, Jared Goff knows it. And he immediately goes over to Dan Campbell on the sideline to celebrate the quarterback and the head coach. Both celebrating with each other. They both believe in each other. They both know that it's on them kind of 50-50 to win these games out here. And it finally all comes together. And there they are celebrating with each other. And that was the first person Jared Goff ran over to. He uh, some this uh, This number 17 guy right here. I believe it's 17, whatever his number is. He goes and celebrates with Jared Goff, but Jared Goff is beelining to Dan Campbell right after the game. So you see the embrace between the quarterback and the head coach. We saw the Vikings kind of do the same exact thing, um, which kind of made us buy the Vikings earlier on in the season. Kirk Cousins going over to... Oh, man, the Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer and embracing, uh, kind of getting pumped up. But then what happened the next week? They lose the game, and we don't really talk about that ever since. Uh, so we'll see uh, all the emotion coming out here for the Lions, and we'll see if they're able to carry all this momentum over to next week. I doubt it because Jared Goff was still not being great in this game. Um, but we'll see. But Dan Campbell finally gets his first win as a head coach. I do not see more coming. But we'll see what happens with this Lions team. They get the win, so we'll give them credit 29-27 over the Vikings. Alrighty, next game up here, Eagles at the Jets, and one of our picks, Eagles minus seven, and folks, we were warning you all week that this was a trap slash sucker bet, and then at game time, it says that Jalen Hurts is not able to go, but we did not waver on our pick, we stood tall in our pick with uh, Gardner Minshew getting it done for the Eagles, and the Eagles pull out the win, 33-18, they cover the minus seven, it dropped all the way down to minus five and a half when Gardner Minshew's news broke that he was going to be the starter and whichever way you got it you still win the bet here Eagles get the win and the Jets being plus seven once again Vegas overvaluing the Jets a little bit making it uh, kind of we said it was uh, very tempting to take but we warned y'all to stay away from it that it was a trap sucker bet and here we are the Jets losing by 15 with the Eagles not even starting their starting quarterback Jalen Hurts so once again that was a true sucker bet we 
try to warn y'all. We warn y'all. We know when things are afoot, when things are amiss with Vegas. And that's why we predict the lines every single week to see what our thinking is differentiating differentiating with Vegas' thinking. And if there's something truly big in our thinking compared to Vegas' thinking, then we know something is afoot. And that's how we were able to call out the trap bet, folks. We do everything for a reason. But here we go. Eagles get the win 33-18. to Garner Minshew is in, and we absolutely love it. And why the Eagles were just so good at, at, at kind of having a plug-and-play quarterback system here real late this week um, was because they've already established the running game weeks and weeks and weeks prior. Nick Sirianni has loved the rushing attack here by the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, dual-threat quarterback, you know, opens up another avenue that way as well. But Garner Minshew had success because the running game was already um, established coming into this game. So great job by Nick Sirianni for kind of uh, implementing this rushing game plan. Um, You know, obviously not foreseeing that, you know, your starting quarterback is going to go down, but it just makes it easier for you to implement the backup quarterback. And shout out to Gardner Minshew for taking this opportunity and absolutely balling out on it. Now, we've been big believers in Gardner Minshew. You know, we believe that he does deserve a chance at another starting quarterback job um, in the NFL sometime soon. And I definitely think, you know, with the Panthers quarterback, you know, struggles that he will be able to and the Texans quarterback struggles that he will be able to find his way on an NFL roster this offseason to compete for a starting job. So shout out to Gardner Minshew. And then I'm sure you've you all seen the video on Twitter going around Gardner Minshew celebrating with his dad. And it's just pure motion, pure energy energy, pure pumped up, like Garner Minshew was so freaking happy with himself, and yeah, with these stats, absolutely you should, 20 of 25 for 242 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and you get the win here on the road, oh my goodness, absolutely great performance by Garner Minshew, and hopefully everybody starts respecting him a little bit more, and uh, hopefully teams do look at him as a viable option as a starting quarterback going into next season, because he truly deserves the look. He deserves the chance. He deserves the workout. He deserves the competition. He deserves it all. Gardner Minshew deserves it all, folks. Give the man what he deserves, and it's all, everything. Whatever you have, you give it to Gardner Minshew. That is the new law. He deserves everything in the world for this performance last week or just yesterday. So here we go. Garner Minshew goes 20 of 25, folks. 80%. Looking like two out here. Garner Minshew playing with two, playing like two out here, completing 80% of his passes. Absolutely fantastic. 242 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And did he fumble? He did fumble, but didn't lose it. So, all right, we can overlook that one a little bit, Gardner. So Garner Minshew had an absolutely great game. They covered the seven, all that. Uh, but they just got out to a nice start as well. And that's what, you know, was our one and only concern here for the Eagles heading into this game was their scoring. We just saw their scoring not be great last week. Uh, they were still able to drive the ball, but w- all those drives were not able to result into points. But this week they turned it around. And once again, why we bought the Eagles minus seven, why we knew this was a trap bet. So... 
uh, congratulations to us. I mean, we know what we're talking about. But uh, back to this Eagles team. First drive touchdown. Second drive touchdown. Third drive touchdown. Fourth drive field goal. Scoring on every single drive. And then out of halftime, field goal. Next drive, field goal. Next drive, field goal. I mean, folks, folks, folks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven straight scoring drives. Seven straight scoring drives. They only scored on not one drive. And that was their very last drive of the game here where they went eight plays, six yards, and still chewed off three and a half minutes to truly ice the game. That resulted in a no points. They had a punt. But overall, man, holy cow, what a game by the Eagles, folks. Offense was absolutely on point. Rushing game, like we said, it's already been established and it was absolutely fantastic in this game. So they don't have Jalen Hurts to run the ball and the rushing attack was still able to get going. Absolutely fantastic. Miles Sanders led the team in rushing, 24 carries for 120 yards. Fantastic. Kenneth Gainwell, 12 rushes for 54 yards and a touchdown. And Gardner Minshew doing his best. Jalen Hurts impressions four times for 11 yards. And then who was Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew throwing to? Dallas Goddard, leading receiver. So tight end, and that's expected with a backup quarterback going to the safety blankets, the safety valves of the tight ends and the running backs. Dallas Goddard, leading receiver, six catches for 105 yards, two touchdowns. Quez Watkins, three catches, 60 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, five catches, 33 yards. Miles Sanders, three catches, 22 yards. And then we have Devontae Smith, two catches, 15 yards, only four targets. Once again, three of the four leading receivers were tight ends and running backs so um that's tone it i i, I want to give garner mitchell all the respect he deserves and he really nobody should be knocking him here but i don't think there should be any quarterback controversy and nick sirianni does the right thing and nips it at the nips it in the bud right after the game uh jalen hurts to remain starting quarterback eagles coach nick sirianni says hurts will start over garner Minshew when healthy so yes 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 um and once again garner Minshew, big praise there but we've seen these quarterbacks game one these backup quarterbacks game one get it done all year long and then the game two game number two with those backups is when we start to see the glaring issues on why they're backup quarterbacks so Jalen Hurts should still be the starter here at Philadelphia this is not a game and a performance where Garner Minshew uh, deserves a starting job for the Eagles for the rest of the season no 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 so, great job all around here by the Eagles, especially their defense. Uh, the first couple of drives here by the Jets were good. Uh, you know, the entire first half was scoring bonanza here by both teams. So, Eagles scored on every single drive in the first half, uh, and the Jets almost did that. First drive, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. Third drive, touchdown. Fourth drive, punt. And then it's the end of half. Um, but uh, every single touchdown that they scored in the first half, they missed the extra points. So, 6, 12, 18 points. That's all their points. They didn't score anything in the second half. They didn't even really have any time to score anything in the second half because the Eagles in the third quarter, they had the ball for 14 minutes in the third quarter alone. There was no time for the Jets to do anything all game or, or for the rest of the game in the second half. So Jets unfortunate here with the loss. They got out to a hot start, but then the Eagles defense started to clamp down and the Eagles offense took full control of the game by just chewing out the clock. I mean, those eight-minute, six-minute drives in the second half, all resulting into field goals. Man, oh, man. 
So here we go. Zach Wilson go went 23 of 38. What do we got here? 23 of 38. We got 60% completion percentage. Nothing great. 226 yards. Nah, two touchdowns. He had a pick. Unfortunate. Let's see where this interception came. It came at the start of the fourth quarter. After the Eagles went on a six-minute drive. Zach Wilson throws an interception on third and 10 at the Eagles 43 yard line trying to get into scoring territory to stop the bleeding here and uh, he throws a pick so unfortunate there with Zach Wilson. Rushing game for the Jets, Tevin Coleman 11 rushes for 58 yards, he rarely ran the ball this game. And then who was Zach Wilson throwing to? We have Elijah Moore, the leading receiver, 66 catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, four catches, 62 yards. We had Tevin Coleman, three catches, 19 yards. Ryan Griffin, two catches, 15 yards, a touchdown. Corey Davis, two catches, 15 yards. Ty Johnson, two catches, 14 yards. And Braxton Berrios, one catch for 11 yards. Not able to do enough to get it done. So well done for the Eagles. They went 33-18. Very well done to Gardner Minshew. Let's give them the respect. Let's give them the celebration he deserves but let's not go overboard and say he deserves to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles here he did very well he earned his chance to be a starter next season but you don't substitute him in right now Alrighty, next game up here is the Cardinals at the Bears, and why is Matt Nagy not fired yet? Let me refresh the timeline. Did it come in just a little late here? Is Matt Nagy fired? He should be. He kind of saved his job last week on Thanksgiving for winning the game. Not very well, but won the game. We give him a little credit for winning the game. Uh, but uh, he should be fired this game. Back to losing. Uh, back to losing with his quarterback, folks, and... Andy Dalton was starting again here. Unfortunately, he is not fired, folks. I am scrolling the timeline, and he no news of him being fired is uh, breaking. So unfortunate there. He should be fired. We'll see if it happens this week. But back to the game here. Bears lose 33-22, to and once again, it's just Andy Dalton not being it, not being the guy, but this is who, uh, you know, Matt Nagy was comfortable with, picked up Andy Dalton, and then got Justin Fields in the draft, and then said, hey, I'm using Andy Dalton here, and then used Andy Dalton in the beginning of the season, it wasn't really doing anything great, and then they go to Justin Fields, continuing not to doing anything great, but that just speaks to, you know, Matt Nagy's incompetence as a head coach, um, so... Andy Dalton, a real struggle of a game out here. First drive of the game, Bears, interception, results in a seven points for the Falcons. Next drive, results in an interception at the Cardinals 20-yard line. They were driving, and he throws a touchdown. Now they're down 14-0. Andy Dalton goes on the next drive and goes down and scores a touchdown to try to ease the bleeding a little bit. But uh, then the Cardinals go and make it 21-7, and then that is basically halftime. Uh Bears can't move the ball for the rest of the quarter there. They go into halftime. First drive at a halftime, they go down and score a touchdown 24-14, to trying to get back in the game. But then he throws an interception and makes it 27-14. Still in the game, still only two possessions in the fourth quarter. But uh, then he throws another interception, and that is truly over at this time, making the score 33-14 to for the Cardinals. So four big interceptions by Andy Dalton. Two in the first, two drives to kind of let the game get out of hand a little bit. You reel in the game a tad, and then it's two more interceptions to truly 
ice the game for your own team. So Andy Dalton's not the answer. We've known this, but Matt Nagy wants to make him the answer, which is why you must fire Matt Nagy. He can't admit when he's wrong. I know Justin Fields it wasn't healthy enough to play this game, but Andy Dalton, this is who Matt Nagy wanted to play the entire year if he could. If he didn't have the pressure of the fans and the national media to say, hey, what's going on with Justin Fields? Why are you not playing him? Matt Nagy would have played Andy Dalton for the entire year, folks, and obviously it's the wrong decision. Look at this stat line right here. 26 of 41 for 229 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Are you wild here? Are you absolutely uh, manic? You're absolutely sticking with this piece of garbage that has proven over a 10-year stretch that this is what he is? We don't get it. So Matt Nagy needs to be fired instantly right now. The sooner the better. We'll see if that happens this week. If it didn't happen by now, I would assume it doesn't happen this week, but it should be happening this week. So Andy Dalton, 26 of 41. What do we got? 63% completion percentage. It's solid. That's the best thing that he did all day. But 229 yards and 26 completions, a little bit of dink and dunk. And I know the Bears don't have these great receivers down the field to get it done. So I won't put it uh, all on Andy Dalton there. But overall, you still can't throw four interceptions like he did. Two interceptions or two touchdowns, four interceptions by Andy Dalton. Did he fumble? No, he didn't. All right, that was good. We'll give him credit for not fumbling the ball. All right, rushing attack. Uh, David Montgomery, 21 rushes. Now, that I can get behind a little bit. That was good by Matt Nagy to rush the ball 21 times. I know it's hard to do that, especially when you come out and throw back-to-back interceptions and get down 14-0. But well done. You know, 21 rushes by, by David Montgomery. Definitely could have been pumped up a little bit more, but that's solid rushing attack right there. 21 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. And then we also had Khalil Herbert four runs for 16 yards. So overall, it wasn't bad. That was a good rushing attack by Matt Nagy. We'll give him credit for that. All right. And then who was Andy Dalton throwing the ball to? We had Jakeem Grant, leading receiver, five catches for 62 yards. He had a touchdown. David Montgomery, eight catches for 51 yards. Cole Komet, three catches for 41 yards. Demir Bird, three catches, 36 yards. Darnell Mooney, five catches, 27 yards. Now that is where we have the problem. Why is Darnell Mooney, your best wide receiver, your fifth targeted uh, kind of wide receiver out here? Get him the ball down the field. Uh, Khalil Herbert, one catch for 11 yards as well so nothing great by the Bears last night Matt Nagy should be fired and Andy Dalton should never have a starting quarterback job ever even a backup I don't want to see Andy Dalton back out on the football field ever again he's done he's had his time and it's always been mediocre always been mediocre Andy Dalton that's all it is all right, but now let's talk about this Cardinals team. We had them still at number one in our power rankings heading into this week, and obviously this was the right decision. Kyler Murray first game back, and Kyler Murray gets the win. No big deal. Uh, the Cardinals defense is fantastic, and the offense just took advantage of what the offense gave them, or what the defense gave them. So fantastic. Kyler Murray goes 11 of 15, only threw the ball 15 times last night, folks, and they still get the win. Andy Dalton threw the ball 41 times. Kyler Murray, 15, still get the win. All right, Kyler Murray, 11 of 15, we get... 73% completion percentage, 123 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He fumbled twice but didn't lose any. I believe it was raining this game, a little bit of a downpour. 
Um, and once again, why throw the ball 41 times in a downpour? The Cardinals didn't do that. Why are you having Andy Dalton do that? If I don't do if I don't do something with Kyler Murray, I definitely don't do something with Andy Dalton. Whatever Kyler Murray does is uh, you shouldn't. Uh, let me put it like this: you shouldn't be doing something with Andy Dalton that you wouldn't be doing with Kyler Murray. That makes no sense because Andy Dalton's bad and Kyler Murray's good. So why would you do that? Uh, so Kyler Murray, a great game. First game back, no problem. Getting the win, getting on track. Bingo, bango. Um, the rushing attack by the Cardinals. I got to give a lot of respect to James Conner here. Uh, we weren't the biggest believers or buyers into James Conner because he was on the Steelers and, you know, lackluster rushing game on the Steelers. But hindsight, you know, lackluster carrying by kind of Najee Harris as well. Uh, but James Conner coming to this Cardinals team and truly getting it done. 20 rushes, 75 yards. He's also the leading receiver as well. Uh, but James Conner, 20, 20 rushes, 75 yards. Fantastic. Kyler Murray took off 10 times for 59 yards and two touchdowns. Fantastic. Who was Kyler Murray throwing the ball to? Well, James Conner. Two catches for 36 yards and a touchdown led the team in receiving. Then it's DeAndre Hopkins. Two catches, 32 yards and a touchdown. Then A.J. Green. One catch, 14 yards. Eno Benjamin. One catch, 12 yards. And Zach Ertz. One catch for 10 yards. So the, the Bears offense made it easy on the Cardinals offense. Because of all the interceptions, short fields, they were able to take advantage of, get out to a hot start, and just carry that momentum for the rest of the game. Cardinals get the win, 33-22. Alrighty, next game up here is the Chargers at the Bengals here. And, uh, you know, we we expo- well, we called this Chargers team frauds heading into this week, given what they did last week. Uh, we set a bar for them to redeem themselves, and I think they may have done it, folks. Here we go. The bar that we set for this Chargers team to not be frauds for uh, for to not be frauds overall was we needed a win, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and keep the fourth down attempts in check. Well, let's take this. Uh, uh, let's take this. Uh, what's the word for that? Um, criteria by criteria, I guess. I don't know. Uh, that's not the word I was looking for, but that's the word we're using. So here we go. The first thing that we needed to see out of the Chargers was a win, and they got the win. Very, very well done. 41-22. to 22. Now, uh, before we get into all the stats and the remainder of why this team may not be frauds anymore, uh, they got out to a hot start. Touchdown on first drive, field goal on the second drive, and a touchdown on the third drive because of the Bengals' fumble and interception on their first two drives. So Chargers got out to a Really hot start, made it 24 to nothing, but then momentum swung all the way to the other side to the Bengals. Then the Bengals score a touchdown, make it 24 to 6. Then the Chargers fumble. Then the Bengals score a touchdown, 24 to 13, and then an interception by the Chargers goes into halftime. After halftime, the Bengals pick up where they left off, and the Chargers picked up where they left off going into halftime. First drive by the Bengals, they score a field goal, making it 24 to 16. Another turnover by the Chargers. Results in a touchdown for the Bengals, making it 24-22. A punt, punt, punt uh, by the Chargers and the Bengals. And then the Bengals get the ball. But what do they do? They fumble. Joe Mixon fumbles, and it goes fumble six for the Chargers. Once again, swinging momentum right back to the Chargers. And that was basically the game. Chargers go up 31 to 22 off the scoop and score. Bengals have to punt on their next drive. Chargers go down and score a touchdown, making it 38 to 22. And Joe Burrow throws an interception on the next drive. So this was a game of runs and swings. And unfortunate, the Bengals were the last one to kind of turn over the ball, giving momentum back to the Chargers for the win. 
So the Chargers get the win. That's good. Now we needed to see three touchdowns and no interceptions. We got three touchdowns, but we got one interception. Overall, the interception came early on in the second quarter, and it resulted into really nothing. They were just trying to do something right before halftime. They throw the interception, but it's way deep in the Bengals' territory. They take over at their own 12-yard line, and they can't do anything with it. So we will overlook the interception thrown by Justin Herbert, folks. We will overlooked that and the two fumbles here by the Chargers were both by Austin Eckler so it wasn't by Justin Herbert so we will give them the check there of doing three touchdowns and no interceptions and then we just wanted to uh, keep it keep the fourth down attempts in check we didn't want them to get wild and get overblown and they only went for it really once on fourth down and it was on their first drive of the game fourth and goal from the four yard line of the Bengals they go for it and they get the touchdown out of it so I guess I gotta stop kind of questioning Brandon Staley's guts to go for it on fourth down he's really getting it done most of the time and uh, that really kind of just set the tone fourth and goal from the four yard line first drive on the road here by the Chargers and they got the guts to go for it so I think I had to take a little bit of a step back here criticizing and knocking Brandon Staley so much for going for it on fourth down that's kind of what the Chargers are they are the kind of risk it for the biscuit team um, a lot of the other teams they try to play with that mentality but overall the Chargers do it the best they do it the most consistently and they get it the most consistently so I think I'm not going to be knocking Brandon Staley for the fourth down attempts um, that much anymore. So Chargers, they get the win. Three touchdowns, no picks unofficially and keeping the fourth downs in check. We give them credit. This Chargers team is back, folks. They are no longer frauds. Congratulations to the Chargers for taking our challenge and getting it done. Not like the Vikings did, right? Are we right, folks? Char uh, Vikings are still frauds. Chargers are not. We give the Chargers credit. Alrighty, so now let's start breaking down some numbers here. Great game overall and a really bad loss for a little uh, little upsetting loss here by the Bengals. They had it turned around, but then that Joe Mixon fumble truly turned around the entirety of the game. But here we go. Let's start with the Chargers. Since they got the win, Justin Herbert goes 26 of 35. 74% uh, completion percentage, truly slinging that thing around. 317 yards, truly slinging that thing around. Three touchdowns, the one pick. Really didn't have any um, big deciding factor for the game overall so we just throw the interception out the window we're not weighing it that heavily now for the rushing attack Austin Eckler 14 rushes for 59 yards and a touchdown but he fumbled twice come on can't be doing that what happened on these fumbles here first fumble resulted into seven for the Bengals second fumble resulted into seven for the Bengals so Austin Eckler almost single-handedly turned the tide here for the for the Bengals in favor of them so got to clean that up Austin Eckler then we had Justin Jackson uh, run the ball six times for 15 yards all right, who was Justin Herbert throwing the ball to? Well, Mike Williams, a leading receiver, five catches, 110 yards. Jalen Guyton, four catches, 90 yards, a touchdown. Austin Eckler, five catches, 45 yards. Keenan Allen, five catches, 34 yards, two touchdowns. And then Jared Cook, three catches for 29 yards. So the passing attack is really elite with Justin Herbert. He's absolutely fantastic. And then for Joe Burrow, he was getting it done. A little bit of a rough start to the game. Got it turned around, but then, unfortunately, Joe Mixon, like we said, causes the shift to go right back to the Chargers, and then they take advantage.
So Joe Burrow went 24 of 40. Ugh, only 60% completion for the percentage. Nothing great, but he did have 300 yards and 24 completions, so we will give him that. One touchdown, the two interceptions, not great. And then we had Joe Mixon, 19 rushes for 54 yards and a touchdown, and we just put this man into A1 Tier 1 category running backs two weeks ago. He got it done last week, but a really bad performance here this week, Ugh, making us kind of second-guess our A1 Tier 1 you know, status for the man, but we'll keep him in there. So Joe Mixon, 19 rushes, 54 yards, a touchdown. Samaji Perrine, 5 rushes for 36 yards. And who was Joe Burrow throwing to? We had T. Higgins, leading receiver, 9 catches for 138 yards, 1 touchdown. Absolutely used that big body down there. Love it. Then we had Tyler Boyd, 5 catches, 85 yards. Jamar Chase, 5 catches, 52 yards. And C.J. Uzama, 3 catches for 20 yards. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the tide shifted in this game back to the Chargers off the Joe Mixon fumble. And that was truly uh, the end of the game. And uh, maybe if they, if they didn't scoop and score it, the Bengals may have still won the game. But, I mean, giving 7 points and making it a 2-possession game again truly uh, iced the game for the Bengals there. So, Chargers get the win 41 to 22 no longer frauds are the chargers and maybe the Bengals are the frauds maybe they are the frauds we'll see what happens next week all right, next game up here, Bucks at the Falcons, and the Bucks get the win here, 30-17. to uh, Falcons kept it relatively close in the first half, but then they couldn't score anything for the rest of the game. We get them putting up all 17 points in the first half, then score zero for the rest of the game. But it was up, they were up 20-7, to or they were down 20-17 to going into halftime. The seven points here, a pick six by Tom Brady, trying to set up a, uh, trying to do a screen at their own eight-yard line with 27 seconds left, trying to do something a little bit bit too smurfy out here and it ends up hurting them in the long run and that just gives the Falcons seven more points so honestly the game was kind of 30 to 30 to 10 that's really the overall unofficial score of the game but the pick six by Tom Brady right before halftime gives the Falcons a bonus seven points all right, so the Bucks here, just a, a really good game here by the Bucks. They threw the ball so much in the first half, folks. Uh, Tom Brady ends up with 51 passing attempts. Jeez Louise. Um, you know, if you're going to give anybody 51 passing attempts, it's Tom Brady. I don't want it to be Zach Wilson. I don't want it to be uh, Carson Wentz. No, no, no. Tom Brady is really the only quarterback that I trust, maybe Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, to throw the ball 51 times a game. So uh, they were just throwing the ball. They were doing what they do the best, and that's to throw the ball. So I'm not going to knock what the, the Bucks did here. It results in the wins most times than not. So once again, Tom Brady throwing the ball 51 times. I don't care. <laughs> he went 38 of 51, folks. Absolutely fantastic. 74% completion percentage on 51 attempts. What a game. He had 368 yards on 38 completions, truly slinging the ball around. Four touchdowns, one pick. Let's see where this interception came by Tom Brady. It was the pick six right before halftime. So really a clean, flawless game by this Bucks offense. Just unfortunately trying to get a little too cute with the screen, trying to do something with 27 seconds left, a real deep in your own end zone, really not necessary or needed at all. And the Falcons will give them credit for taking advantage of it, reading the screen. They read it to perfection and then took it to the house. Well done. Uh, so, great game by Tom Brady. The rushing attack, Leonard Fournette, 13 rushes for only 44 yards. He really didn't run the ball that much. Tom Brady was too busy slinging the ball around. 
And then who was Tom Brady slinging the ball around to? Well, we had Chris Godwin leading receiver on 15 catches for 143 yards. Then Mike Evans, 7 catches for 99 yards. Rob Gronkowski, 4 catches, 58 yards, 2 touchdowns, classic Gronk. Leonard Fournette, 7 catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. Man, oh man. So, no Antonio Brown so far. No problem for this Bucks team. They get the win 30-17. to And then for the Falcons, what did they do? Well, really just nothing all game long. Nothing really consistent. They scored a touchdown on their first drive, a field goal on their third drive, and like we said, that was really all their points because their seven other points came off of a pick six defensively. So this Vulcans offense is just nothing great, nothing consistent. You must blow it up, get rid of Matt Ryan at the end of the year, and truly let this be the Arthur Smith era of Atlanta. We don't know how that's going to look or how that's going to be, but uh, Matt Ryan is not the answer. So Matt Ryan goes 30 of 41. Anything great? 73%. We'll give him credit for that. 297 yards, no touchdown, no pick. He fumbled the ball three times, didn't lose any, so I guess we give him a little credit for that. But, man, oh, man, three fumbles. Matt Ryan, hold on to the damn ball, please. All right, Cordell Patterson, leading rusher here, 13 rushes for 78 yards, surprises nobody. Mike Davis, four rushes for 32 yards and a touchdown. That was real solid. And who was Matt Ryan throwing to? We had Russell Gage, leading receiver, 11 catches for 130 yards. Kyle Pitts, 4 catches, 48 yards. Olamide Zacchaeus, 3 catches, 44 yards. Mike Davis, 4 catches, 37 yards. Cordell Patterson, 3 catches, 18 yards. And Tajay Sharp, 3 catches, 10 yards. Unfortunately, it didn't do anything good. So, Bucks get the win, 30-17. to We can buy Tom Brady. He's still looking great. All right, next game up here is the Jags at the Rams, and the Rams get the win 37-7. to uh, We had a bar for this Rams team. We called the Rams frauds last week. We gave them a redemption goal to hit, and this was the goal. Let's see if this Rams team is back in our good graces or if they are still considered frauds. So we needed to see 35-plus points. They hit 37. Bango, bango. We needed to see three touchdowns, no interceptions. Ma uh, Matthew Stafford had three touchdowns, no interceptions. Bingo, bango. We needed to see 250 plus passing yards. We got 295. And the last stipulation we needed to see was 100 plus rushing yards. And Sony Michelle had 121 rushing yards. So ding, ding, ding. That's the bingo, folks. The Rams are officially back. A dominant win against a poor team in the Jags. And they did exactly everything we needed to see and more. So bingo, bango. The Rams are back in our good graces. They are no longer considered frauds. And uh, this Rams team back on track to get to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Very well done by them. So by this Rams team, they really didn't get out to a bad start. First drive, uh, field goal. Second drive, touchdown. Third drive, they had to punt. Fourth drive, they're back scoring points, a field goal. Uh, and then a couple of, well, one more punt by them. And then they're back to scoring a field goal, 16-7 to at halftime. After halftime, first drive, touchdown. Second drive, touchdown. Third drive, touchdown. That was the game right there. So, thank goodness they got it back on track. A little competitive in the first half. And we're not going to knock the Rams too much for that because we've seen glimpses of this Jaguars defense be really good. Uh, you know, beating the Bills. And then, you know, the, Col the defense against the Colts on the road, really solid. Uh, so, you know, the first half defense here by the Jaguars, real solid, kept the game the minute but at some point the firepower of the Rams takes over and that's exactly what happened uh, yesterday Rams winning 37 to 7.
We will have a little bit. We still have this sliver of doubt in the Rams for struggling in the first half because we've seen them struggle in the first half against the good teams. And that's kind of why they lose because they get kind of, you know, down big, down bad, and it's hard to overcome those that deficit, especially against great teams. So, yes, this Rams team is back, and they're not frauds, but we do still have this sliver of doubt of how we're seeing them win and play these games. So, but we're still considering them very, very well and very, very good and absolutely Super Bowl contenders back again. All right, so Matthew Stafford had a great night, 36 of tw- uh, 26 of tw- uh, 26 of 38. Let's get the completion percentage up here. 26 of 38. We got officially 68%. We'll love that. 295 yards, not dinking and dunking, three touchdowns, no picks. Fantastic turnover free game. Nobody even fumbled. That's what we love to see. Rushing attack, we wanted to see the rushing game get established because we don't want to see Matthew Stafford drop back and throw the ball 45 plus times. This needs to be an equal run and pass game, um, especially because everybody's been shutting down Matthew Stafford in the passing attack the last couple of games when they were on that three-game losing streak. So that's why we wanted to see 100 plus rushing yards, and Sony Michelle did exactly just that. 24 rushes, solid rushing attack. Give credit to... Um, Sean McVay for getting the running game established. This is exactly what we wanted to see. 24 rushes, 121 yards, one touchdown by Sony Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Love it. And then who was Matthew Stafford throwing to? Well, obviously Cooper Cup, leading receiver. No surprise there. Eight catches, 129 yards, a touchdown. Tyler Higby, five catches, 48 yards. Von Jefferson, six catches, 41 yards, a touchdown. Ben scores. Goronk, Skoranik, one catch, 35 yards, and then OBJ, two catches, 28 yards, and he had the tug, baby, uh, which definitely should, you know, put OBJ at ease for at least another week before we awaken the monster that is OBJ, not getting the credit or any of the passes he thinks he deserves, so well done there, OBJ, taming the beast a little bit. All right, and then the Jaguars, well, classic Jaguars performance offensively at least. I'll give them credit for a good defensive performance in the first half, but overall the offense, seven points for the entire game, can't do anything. Trevor Lawrence is not good, all of that, all of that. So Trevor Lawrence goes 16 of 28. Anything good there? Anything good there? 16 of 28, we get 57%. Womp, womp. 145 yards on 16 completions, dink and dunk. No touchdown, no interceptions. He did not, well, he fumbled, didn't lose it, so we'll give credit for Trevor Lawrence of not turning over the ball. They still had two other fumbles. Carlos Hyde fumbled and lost it. James Robinson fumbled and lost it, and that's never great when your running backs are actively fumbling and losing it in multiple players, so it's not like you can just take one running back out of the game. You have to stop rushing the ball kind of entirely, Um, and that's kind of what the Jaguars did. Even though the rushing game wasn't working, they still had to shut it down. So first fumble is by... Uh, James Robinson, and it results into seven points for the Rams. Second fumble here by, uh, we got Carlos Hyde results in a touchdown. So two turnovers by the Jags results into 14 points for the Rams. Well done for the Rams of taking advantage of all the turnovers. We absolutely love it. Now for the rushing attack, Carlos Hyde, nine rushes, 24 yards, a touchdown. Well, nothing great. James Robinson, eight rushes for 24 yards. Both had a fumble. We had Trevor Lawrence taken off four times for 10 yards. 
Who was Trevor Lawrence throwing to? Well, Laquan Treadwell, leading receiver, four catches, 62 yards. LaVisca Chanel Jr., three catches, 30 yards. James O'Shaughnessy, two catches, 13 yards. Marvin Jones, two catches, 11 yards. James Robinson, one catch, 11 yards. And Jaden Mickens, two catches for 10 yards. So Rams back on track. Rams officially no longer frauds. You love to see it. But the Jaguars, obviously, they're frauds. They weren't even established to be even called the frauds. They're just a bad team overall. Rams get the win, 37 to 7. Alrighty, next game up here, Washington at the Raiders. Washington get the clutch win here, 17-15. to Raiders try to keep it close. Good game overall. Washington defense is back, folks. Washington defense is back. Washington defense, Dolphins defense, both great last year. Got out to a really bad start this season. Has cleaned it up over the last couple of games. And now they are in the fight, in the hunt for playoffs. So shout out to the great two defensive teams teams that are truly getting it done these last couple of weeks. So Washington gets the win 17 to 15. A great defensive battle. This is the drive chart for the entire game. First drive by Washington. Touchdown. Then we get the uh, Raiders punt. Washington punt. Raiders punt. Washington punt. Raiders punt. Washington punt. Raiders field goal. Make it 7-3. Then we get halftime. Then out of halftime. Raiders punt. Washington punt. Raiders field goal. Washington touchdown to make it 14-6. Raiders touchdown to make it 14-12. Interception by Taylor Heineke. Field goal by the Raiders to officially take the lead. 15 to 14, but then with two minutes and 22 seconds left, Taylor Heineke and the Washington offense drives them into field goal range for a 48 yarder. It hits, and then with only 31 seconds left, the Raiders have to get into field goal range, and they just cannot do it. And the Raiders lose by two, 17 to 15. So, here we go. Taylor Heineke. He's been playing really well. Solid game managing football. That interception in the fourth quarter almost lost them the game, but they were able to uh, get the ball back with two minutes left, and then he had a nice drive to go down the field and get them into field goal range. So, shout out to Taylor Heineke. He's been balling out here the last couple of games, getting the wins here, complimenting the defense. So, Taylor Heineke, 23 of 30. We've got 76% completion percentage, 196 yards, a little bit of dink and dunk, two touchdowns, the one interception, like we said. Um, he did not fumble either, so fantastic. Rushing attack by Antonio Gibson, absolutely fantastic. 23 rushes for 88 yards. We had Wendell Smallwood, one rush for 13 yards. And Taylor Heineke, being the gamer that he is, taking off three times for 10 yards. And Taylor Heineke, who was he throwing to? Well, Logan Thomas, you know, got back a couple weeks ago and unfortunately out again. How unfortunate. Logan Thomas had a great game. Three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. Has some big catches in this game. We'll talk about his injury in a second. We have John Bates, three catches, 42 yards. Adam Humphreys, four catches, 38 yards. Antonio Gibson, five catches, 23 yards, a touchdown. Terry McLaurin, three catches, 22 yards. And Wendell Smallwood, two catches for 12 yards. So Logan Thompson, leading receiver for this Washington football team, but unfortunately he has torn his ACL and is done for the year. Man, oh man, unfortunate to the tight ends, man. These tight ends have been balling out this season. Logan Thomas uh, getting it absolutely done for this Washington football team. Scored the touchdown on the first drive of the game here. Got Washington out to a 7-0 star on the road in Vegas. Shout out to Logan Thomas and hope for a very, very speedy, successful recovery on him. 
Um, all right, now the Raiders now, and the Raiders are, un- are unfortunately, you know, the classic Raiders, nothing great, inconsistent, you know, losing more in the back half than in the first half, and it's all coming together again this year. Truly, truly unfortunate. Now, Derek Carr went 28 of 38. 73% completion percentage, 249 yards. All that is solid. No touchdown, no interceptions. He didn't fumble the ball here. Um, so that is all good. But, you know, you still lose the game, which is obviously never good. Um, so Derek Carr, solid game. Unfortunately, not able to win it. And unfortunately, couldn't clutch it with 30 seconds left to go down and get into field goal range. I know it's tough to do, but, uh, you know, it's still, still some time on the clock. Still got to try your damnedest. Unfortunately, they come up a little bit small. Josh Jacobs, he's a little bit knocked up as well with the broken angle. ankle. Josh Jacobs, 13 rushes for 52 yards and a touchdown. Uh, oh, no, it was Kenyon Drake. That, that, that was it. It, was, it wasn't Josh Jacobs. Kenyon Drake had a rush, and he broke his ankle. That's right. Josh Jacobs is good, though, but 13 rushes, 52 yards, and a touchdown for Josh Jacobs. All right, and then who was Derek Carr throwing the ball to? We had Hunter Renfro, nine catches, 102 yards. Josh Jacobs, nine catches, 38 yards. Foster Moreo, one catch, 34 yards. Brian Edwards, three catches, 30 yards. Zay Jones, three catches, 21 yards. And Deshaun Jackson, only one one catch for 14 yards. He was open a couple of times, and they're just not utilizing Deshaun Jackson, and I don't get it. Um, you know, just he, he was open a lot of times in this Raiders game, and same thing with the Rams, not utilizing Deshaun Jackson. It's like he gets open. Open. He gets the speed. He gets to run past everybody. But then you don't take the shot when it's open. So I don't know what it is with Deshaun Jackson of why he's not getting like eight targets a game out here. I don't get it. So Raiders, they lose by two here, 17 to 15. Well done for the Washington football team. Truly turning it around off to a bad start. But they're back, folks, right in the thick of it in the playoff hunt. We'll see if they're able to grab it. Washington wins fit 17 to 15. All right, let's uh, finish up these last three games quickly here, running a little bit late in the show here. But the next game up here, Ravens at the Steelers, and the Steelers get the win 20-19. to Lamar Jackson not playing great all throughout this game. He had a pick on the first drive, but, you know, you're never out of the game with Lamar Jackson. They're down 20-13 to with how much time left? Man, oh, man, a minute and 50 seconds left in Lamar Jackson takes them down the field and scores a touchdown. Unfortunately, the Ravens decide to go for two. I don't mind the call right there. You just had all this momentum. You want to make this a true official game-winning drive. And you go for the two-point conversion. On the road, division rival, I've got absolutely no problem with going for the game-win at that point in time. Um, and it was a good play call. It got open. Mark Andrews open, you know, running on the flat there on the goal line. Lamar Jackson just unfortunately overthrew it a tad because of the pressure on him. And that was the game. But overall, it was a decent throw. Just unfortunately, the pressure got to him um, and just kind of overthrew it by an inch, literally an inch. He got his fingertips on it. Mark Andrews did. Couldn't tip it back to himself. And that falls incomplete. And they lose the game because of it. But overall, well, uh, you know, the Ravens, poor offense this entire game. They scored, uh, or uh, the Steelers scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Really, both teams scored their bulk of their points in the fourth quarter. Nine points by the Ravens in the fourth quarter. 17 points in the fourth quarter by the Steelers. And that was the game. Good defensive effort by both teams throughout the game. And it came into the fourth quarter. Classic Steelers-Ravens matchup. So let's start here with the Ravens first. Lamar Jackson goes 23 of 37. 
23 of 37. We got 62% completion percentage. Okay-ish. 253 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Like we said, the pick came on the first drive. Resulted into zero points there by the Steelers. Now, it did take away points by the Ravens. They were at the Steelers' 10-yard line. Just a chalk and a prayer by Lamar Jackson. Unnecessary. And that's what Lamar Jackson needs to clean up. He needs to learn to play and live for another down. He gets, you know, crazy and just kind of floats it up uh, because he knows he can always bring the team back because that's how special Lamar Jackson is. He's able to have all these turnovers and still win the game. For last week against the Browns, win the game. Only won this week, still in it, and almost won the game there on the last drive. So Lamar Jackson knows he can get so, get away with it, but uh, clean it up so you don't need to get away with anything. You just actively win the game. So got to make a, some smarter choices out here by Lamar Jackson. All right, rushing attack. Lamar Jackson was the leading rusher as well. Eight uh, eight rushes for 55 yards. Devontae Freeman, 14 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. Who was Lamar Jackson throwing to? We had Marquise Brown, leading receiver. Five catches for 55 yards. Mark Andrews had four catches for 50 yards. Devontae Freeman, five catches, 45 yards. Sammy Watkins, four catches, 39 yards and a touchdown. Latavius Murray, two catches, 34 yards. And Devin Duvernay, two catches for 21 yards. And then for the Steelers here, Big Ben played his best game in the fourth quarter. How crazy is that? Big Ben is back. Mm, no, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, still not buying the Steelers, but uh, they got the win. We'll give them a little credit. They won against division rival, the Ravens. I mean, that's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin knows he needs to put up a good performance against the Ravens. And Mike Tomlin usually rises to the occasion more times than not. Big Ben. Mm-hmm. He, he went 21 of 31, folks. 21 of 31. We get 67%. We'll give him that. 236 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, didn't fumble the ball either. Very well done. We got Big Ben telling everybody, hey, I'm retiring. And then he comes out in the media says, hey, I'm not t- ready to talk about retirement yet. So obviously, Big Ben, we know this was his final season. This is no, this is no surprise to anybody. I don't know what Big Ben's doing by not kind of going on a farewell tour. Um that's really what he should be doing. It takes kind of the negative um, optics out away from the Steelers because everybody's going to be focusing on Big Ben's last season. You get everybody buying into the organization on the inside, all the players wanting to go to bat for Big Ben now that it's out in the media and all that, that the media is kind of holding the other players responsible. Remember, folks, Big Ben is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, multiple Super Bowl winner. I mean, the media and the press will always uplift those quarterbacks aging out of this league if you go out on your face farewell tour so down the stretch need to get a couple of wins here to get into the playoffs I think it's time for Big Ben to come out to come out to everybody be like yes this is my last season I am done I think that would be beneficial for the Steelers overall we'll see if that's the right play though by not doing that we'll see so Big Ben, 21 of 31, 236 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Najee Harris running the ball, 21 rushes for 71 yards, just a solid rushing attack. Benny, Benny Snell took two rushes for 13 yards. Big Ben, who is he throwing to? Deontay Johnson, leading receiver, eight catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. We had Chase Claypool, two catches, 50 yards. Najee Harris, five catches, 36 yards. Pat Fryermuth, three catches, 26 yards. And Zach Gentry, two catches for 10 yards. Came down to the last play. It wasn't the Steelers' defense. Well, yeah, it was the Steelers' defense coming off the edge, pressuring Lamar Jackson and making him have to kind of throw the ball a little, kind of uh, a little kind of uh, novelty-ish to get the ball over to Mark Andrews. Just unfortunate, about a half a yard overthrown, a half a yard overthrown. 
Um, so Steelers get the win 20 to 19. All right, then we get the 49ers at the Seahawks. Seahawks get the win here, 30-23. to 23. Um, Anything great. Game going back and forth. Jimmy G throws an interception. And, uh, yeah, just kind of ruins the game there. The game's tied 23-23 with, uh, what do we got, four minutes, 47 seconds left. Jimmy Garoppolo throws the interception. Uh, or, no, this was in the third quarter. Seahawks go down and score a touchdown. That makes it 30-23. to 23. And then the... They just aren't able to do anything with the ball for the rest of the game. We get a turnover on downs here. We get fourth and goal at Seattle's three-yard line. Jimmy Garoppolo trying to hit Sherfield, and it is incomplete. That is the game. Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to be clutched to tie up the game. Seahawks get the win. Let's start here with the Seahawks since they got the win. Russell Wilson goes 30 of 37. Solid completion percentage here. We get 81%. Um, 231 yards, a little bit of Dink and Donk, two touchdowns. He did have an interception. His interception came in the third quarter I uh, off of a fumble. He throws the interception, and then the uh, the 49ers get, or the, the Seahawks get the safety off of that interception by Russell Wilson. So I guess it all lucked out for the Seahawks with that pick. All right, then we get uh, rushing numbers. Travis Homer, three rushes for 80 yards and a touchdown. Rashad Penny, 10 rushes, 35 yards. Adrian Peterson, 11 rushes, 16 yards, a touchdown. He scored a touchdown, but he's averaging one and a half yard a rush. That's not great by Adrian Peterson. All right, Russell Wilson, who was he throwing the ball to? We got Tyler Lockett, seven receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown. DK Metcalf, five catches, 60 yards. Dwayne Eskridge, three catches, 35 yards, a touchdown. Rashad Penny, one catch, 27 yards. Freddie Swain, three catches, 18 yards. And Travis Homer, four catches for 10 yards. A lot of fumbles here by the Seahawks, twice by Gerald Everett. First fumble in the first quarter results in a seven points for the 49ers. His second fumble results in a turnover on downs on the final drive by the 49ers. All right, now for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo just could not play hero ball, but he went 20 of 30 throughout the game. 20 of 30, we get 66% completion percentage, 299 yards, two touchdowns, the two interceptions. First interception comes in the first quarter, missed field goal by the Seahawks. Second interception comes and results in a touchdown in the third quarter to give the Seahawks the seven-point lead and ultimately the seven-point victory. All right, the rushing game, Elijah Mitchell, 22 rushes for 66 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was he throwing to? We had George Kittle absolutely lighted up. Nine catches for 181 yards, folks. Two touchdowns. Then we had Brandon Ayuk, three catches, 55 yards. Kyle Juszczyk, two catches, 21 yards. Eli Mitchell, three catches, 18 yards. And Trent Sherfield, two catches for 16 yards. Uh, Seahawks get the win, 30-23. to 23. Uh, 49ers could not hit the game-tying touchdown at the end of the game. And then after the game, it tells uh, that Tyler Lockett had a really touching meeting the day before the Seahawks uh, won. So this was on Saturday. So Tyler Lockett being a nice team leader out here for the Seahawks team, trying to turn around this team. Seahawks are still in the hunt for the playoffs. It's going to take a miracle, but they're still in it with this win. Uh, So Tyler Lockett being the leader in the locker room, we'll see if that uh, changes anything for the last couple of games. All right, and then the last game of the night, the Sunday night football game, the Chiefs at the Broncos. Chiefs get the win 22-9. This Broncos team, just their offense, man, 
We give credit to Teddy Bridgewater, but under pressure, Teddy Bridgewater is not good, folks. Um, you know, when he's got all the time in the world, he can make all the throws, and he likes to push the ball down the field this year. But when he's pressured, I mean, sheesh, Luis, everything goes out the window, and you just get nothing good out of him. Uh, no chance at any big plays. No chance at any escapability. He just he gets overwhelmed by the pressure and usually throws it away more often than not. So the Chiefs, uh, you know, close game all throughout kind of, you know, until halftime. We had a 10-3 game going into halftime, and then just the Broncos could not really put up any meaningful scores. They get down 22-3 because of a pick six, and that's really the game right there. So let's start here with the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater goes 22 of 40, folks. Not good. 55% completion percentage. He did have 257 yards. We'll give him that. One touchdown, two interceptions. Womp, womp. The first interception came in the third quarter, resulted in the zero points. And then the second interception, like we said, was the pick six. Unfortunate kind of really the game ruiner for the Broncos. Rushing attack, Javante Williams looking absolutely magnificent. This is why, why stick with Melvin Gordon? What are we doing there? Why get rid of Philip Lindsay first place? Why go with Melvin Gordon in the second place? And now you need to get rid of Melvin Gordon because Javante Williams is the real deal. Rookie running back here, 23 rushes for 102 yards. Fantastic. Uh, Mike Boone, four rushes for 35 yards. And Teddy Bridgewater took off four times for 17 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, who was he throwing to? Well, Jerry Judy, leading receiver number one, four catches, 77 yards. Javante Williams, six catches, 76 yards, one touchdown, dual threat, running back, holy moly, 177, 178 yards in totality, holy cow. Noah Fant, four catches, 33 yards, Albert Ukuwungumbunum, three catches, 21 yards, Mike Boone, one catch, 19 yards, and Cortland Sutton, two catches for 15 yards. We also had Deontay Spencer with a fumble, and that fumble came... Um, when did this fumble came? Um, when the fumble come? He got a fumble, right? Deontay Spencer, one fumble and loss. When did he do this? Um, doesn't matter. Don't care. He fumbled the ball. It doesn't matter. They lose anyway. Doesn't matter. Um, all right. Um, and then the Chiefs now, folks. Patrick Mahomes only threw the ball 29 times, folks. 15 completions on 29 attempts. So he goes 15 of 29. Nothing great. 51% completion percentage. 184 yards. No touchdown in one interception. Patrick Mahomes' interception came on the first drive out of halftime. And that was really the Broncos' opportunity to go in and take advantage of it. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't. And then the Chiefs go and make it a 13-3 game after that. Now we get an interception by the Broncos, and it was just kind of over from that point. So, uh, nothing great by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, rushing attack, we had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 14 rushes for 50, 54 yards. Daryl Williams, 5 rushes for 20 yards. Patrick Mahomes took off 4 times for 12 yards and a touchdown. And who was Patrick Mahomes throwing to? We had Daryl Williams, leading receiver, three catches, 60 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, three catches, 28 yards. When was the last time that running backs have been the leading two receivers here for the Chiefs? This Broncos defense truly got it done, but Teddy Bridgewater just could not take advantage of that. Truly unfortunate. Travis Kelsey, three catches, 27 yards. Tyreek Hill, two catches, 22 yards. Demarcus Robinson, two catches, 21 yards. And Brian Pringle, one catch for 14 yards. Miko Harmon, one catch for 12 yards. So... Uh, Chiefs get the win 22-9. Broncos, man, truly unfortunate. They could not take advantage. This was a winnable game for them. The offense, though, just could not get it done. Shout out to the Chiefs defense. This Chiefs defense is the real deal. And then you've got Patrick Mahomes. He will always keep you in the game.
All right, so that was all the NFL from last night, folks. That's going to do it for us today. We are still taking the Patriots plus three tonight in the Monday Night Football game. Let's see, has this line changed any? Have y'all changed this line any by betting it up one way or the other? What do we got here for the official spread tonight? And it's wow, Patriots plus two and a half. So y'all are betting on the bit. Uh, y'all are betting on the Patriots plus three. That's why it's come down a little bit. Uh, so now it's only plus two and a half. Not the best value. Um, alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. And Matt Nagy is still not fired, so unfortunate there. He probably should be. Um, alrighty, so that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back live tomorrow, folks. Uh, breaking down the Monday night game, breaking down the NBA, and uh, updating our power rankings in the NFL. Alrighty, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, folks. Have a great one. Enjoy the Monday night game. It's going to be a great one. Patriots at Bills, number one in the division, uh, number one in the AFC, all up for grabs tonight. We'll say we'll see who goes and grabs it. Patriots plus three is our pick. Four and two or three and three. It all hinges on tonight's game. Alrighty, folks, we are.